Series XM on the app. Check it out. And if you want some swag, I hear we got a Heisman candidate swag up there. <laughs> Field of 68.shop, Yogi Roth, Michael Felder in a new location. We can talk about that road trip cross car kind of across the country. And the coach, Kevin Sumlin. Coach, haven't seen you in a minute, fellas. Welcome to the show tonight. How are we doing? Great, man. Good. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. All right. So we were talking offline. Last week was the most enjoyable weekend in probably all of college football because of the games that were there. For myself, personally, it was my most enjoyable weekend because my kids came to a game. So I want to start with you. Felder, you got a little one. Coach, your little ones are now bigger ones. Uh, a lot of people that are watching this or listening to this probably are around youth sports. So yeah. if you could give one tip to like your future child or your past younger child's coach or my seven-year-old's coach, what would you say around youth sports coach i'm going to start with you with the experience that you have well i I would say that let the let the coach be the coach right so some of the some of the hardest things that ever happened i I can remember my oldest son even my my daughter was a pitcher and it's the you there's nothing that you can do to help them throw strikes right when they're little it's just it's it's a really helpless feeling and you know just let the coach coach because i i hear very, you know, when I'm in the stands, I hear what people usually say about me and, and, and you know, how dumb I am, and poor decisions I'm making and everything else. But it's youth sports, right? Let them play. They're there to get better. So just just let them coach and let them have fun. I love that. All right. I'm going to cheers to that, to the fun. Coach, I appreciate that. Felder, what you got for the uh, youth coaches and parents out there? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, listen, I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. Have, have fun. Have fun. My 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 kid is um she's four. Uh she doesn't have the intensity that I had when I was four. And who does? At, You're gonna find out that most people don't. But. <laughs> but it was it's one of those things where like my dad knows, but my dad feels it because my dad's got two four-year-olds. Uh he's got two four-year-old grandchildren. And neither one of them have the intensity that his four-year-old son had. And so he's like, he's like, we just got to nurture and nurture and, and just like, just encourage, encourage. So to me, the, the, honestly, the, the, the toast that I would give, encourage your kids, find a thing that they like, stick with it and encourage them. And that's the big key. Doesn't have to be sports. Doesn't have to be science. Doesn't have to be math, but find the thing that they like and encourage them to do it. That's what I would give to it. Cheers to that. Cheers Big time. Here's my thought on that. Um, I spent a year coaching. Yeah. I can't coach now because I'm traveling, so I'm observing. And I'll say this. I think a coach's job at any level is to get to know the personalities of your players. Yeah. And within the reins of the team environment, allow their personality to flourish. And I think that's important because I think sometimes in coaching, and it was, I had a great talk this morning with Greg Olson. He's got a great podcast called You Think. And it yeah. was all about like sometimes coaches like, hey, it's my way or you're out. And yep. I understand that to a degree, but I think allowing guys to grow within their personality at any age, I think is important. Because uh, I, I see it with a seven-year-old like confidence, like all I care about is making sure he maintains his confidence with his reading or playing or what have you. So uh, that's where I'll net out. Uh, oh, I love that. I, I think you're yeah. listen. And I, I was going to kick this back to Coach Sumlin because how do you handle that? You got if you got 110 guys in a locker room, 
how do you handle like we're talking college level now how do you handle some guys need to be yelled at some guys don't want to be yelled at some guys need to be taught how do you do that well, that's that's all part of of knowing your personnel right and and back to what you said yogi and, and like i mean to me as a, as a a youth coach you're there to keep people involved in that sport right because there's too many things now that that we didn't have when we were little right you, know, you just yeah. you went out there and played you played outside in the first place right now you get a uniform it's it's even better right now I mean, guys, they, there, there's too many other things to do um, that, that, that you know, detract from guys, from, from kids, girls, guys playing sports. So keep their interest uh, and make it fun. And, and, and you know, you, you have to. But, you know, to your, to your point, you know, in a, in a locker room, you've got 110 different personalities. You know, you, everybody's not going to be happy. Right. Right. And, and uh, I had a coach tell me a long time ago, I, he said, you know, I, I'm not going to say who it was, but if I did, you, you'd figure it out because I treat all the players, all my players the same according to ability. So <laughs> some guys, you know, are a little bit different than other guys. And, and you know, some guys just beat to a different drum. And, yeah. and so you have to the ability to to manage that locker room and talk to the players and and just as long as they know that they're, it's fair, it's a fair shake, and you know, I, I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I love that topic, uh, fellow. You know, when we do those shows, I love kind of starting it off a little bit uh, off kilter. Uh, so, coach, I want to kick it back to you though, because we've got Alabama, USC, mm-hmm. Penn State. Like we've seen teams come off a loss now, and it was either emotional heartbreak, Caleb Williams walking off the field, right. Alabama boarding their bus, their plane, oh, yeah. um, and some in blowout fashion. Like, w- what would be your first message to each of those teams? Because I think they're all a little bit different of first-year coach, guy who's done it forever, and then Penn State trying to get over that proverbial hump. Yeah, I mean, they're all different, right? And it depends on where you are in the season. It depends on what kind of game was that. I mean, Alabama, I mean, th- th- there couldn't have been a better football game except for probably – Oklahoma State <laughs> last week, right? Right. Yeah. Games. I mean, those two games were ridiculous. And you know, as a coach, you know, you you reflect on it, but you got to keep moving. You know, Alabama's still a good football team. They, they're they're, you know, the quarterbacks got to get healthy. You know, they're still getting people together, uh, just like Oklahoma State. I mean, it, it's it's a bad deal, right? But guess what? There's still plenty of football left to play. And you walk and, and, you know, see Caleb Williams, he wears it on his sleeve. There's going to be players like that. But you got to yeah. reel them back in and say, hey, look, halfway through the season, right, which is, you know, everybody talks about separation, this and that. You know, halfway through the season, you still got all your goals out in front of you. All three of those teams can still win their, I mean, their league. And they yeah. can still get to the playoffs with the one loss. One loss Alabama. Shoot, a, a one loss Oklahoma State almost. If they don't go for 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 two last year, right? There. Yep. So you know, all those things are still out ahead of you. You put more pressure on yourself now by losing this game, but maybe because of that experience, you're a better football team now. You know your weaknesses. Some of them have been exposed. Some guys didn't play the way that you wanted to, and now you might be able to to, to push them a little harder 
for the next six weeks because yeah. everything's that that is that much more important. Yeah, that's great. Um, Felder, I want, I want to hit you this at the end of the show. Both of you, really. What one loss team are you most confident in as we get Ooh. through the show? We're going to talk about a lot. Obviously, we, we referenced the chaos. Talk about the mm. Pac-12, baby. Come on. The pack, the pack is rolling. <laughs> we got week eight coming. Not as many ranked matchups. We got UCLA and Oregon, of course. We got K-State, TCU, Mississippi State, Bama, Texas, yep. OK State. Like, there's some games some that games. are going up. Yeah, yeah we got some good ones. Yeah, and it just feels like, and I think it's because I'm out here. I don't know, but Felder, I want to ask you because you're on the opposite coast. Coach, you're kind of closer to me, I believe. Uh, but it feels like the holistic part of college football is back versus like cut off the West Coast, which I have felt, and Coach, you lived yeah. Yeah. for a couple of years. Like, Does it feel that way out there, Felder, for you? It um I, I think that we are because, and maybe it's because USC has bubbled up Obviously, not notwithstanding the loss from behind, the loss this weekend, or the and, and then obviously Utah going into Florida and Florida fans not expecting Utah to be that good, and then realizing, oh wow, um, they exposed us a little bit, and then everybody else took advantage of us. Um, so it's, I think people are starting to pay more attention to the West Coast a little bit, and and and, and Oregon didn't do themselves any favors. We we can all admit that uh, with that game against Georgia, but USC. And Utah helped, and then UCLA, man, come on, come on, you know, let's talk with. I mean, yeah. I think Wayne I Cook's think, my guy. Think, Wayne Cook is my guy. <laughs> I think and, there's, there's there's a lot of people. More people watch that UCLA Washington game than than, yes. than you think. You know, I get the same. Right. Night. It was a it was a it was a only game on at that time of night. And it was a hell of a football game. Yep, and people saw. You know what? UCLA is is a pretty good football team. Yes, they are. They're tough. And and as I said a week ago, you know, we've all been waiting for DTR to be DTR, to be the guy that that they, they want. And he is yep. not making very many mistakes right now. He is a dynamic player. And anybody who's got a trigger guy like that with the talent around him, yep. you know, you get who would have thought a guy from Guy can transfer from Duke and be one of the best players in the country right now. <laughs> it, 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 Bobo's crazy. It's crazy, right? But everybody finds a home, and they are a really, really good football team right now. And I think, as I said a week ago, the eye test, it, it, they're, they're, I mean, to me, they're a top five, six, six team in the country right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If their logo was a little different or if they had the juice coming into the season, like we all know where they would be currently. Yeah. But they sit in a beautiful slot right now. Uh, last year, I picked them to go to the title game. Didn't make it. This year, I picked them to go to the title game and not not win. And I had Utah and them going. But the point is, like, I think what Chip's done, and we'll, we'll just let's just jump right into the Pac-12. We'll get around to the other conferences. Uh, sure. But I think Chip has really built it his way. And, Coach, I want to get your point out. Because when he got there, excuse me, Jim Moore had a bunch of success. And they had a bunch of players. But didn't fit into what Chip wanted to do, right? They had a bunch of huge recruits. Right. They had a bunch of names there. And instead of trying to do what you can do today, which is what they've done in L.A. across town with Lincoln Riley, because the portal exists now. It didn't when Chip took over in terms of the immediacy of playing. He slowly built it. And when I look at the portal guys that they've taken, they've missed on one guy. And it was Evidence Njoku, whose brother was on the roster at UCLA at the time. Right. Every other guy, whether it was going at Bama, going to Duke 
going to Harvard, going to Notre Dame. Like all the eval and the schools that they, the guys that they brought in, they've all hit Zach Charbonnet. Like he's a real yeah. guy. Like we got to talk about his one he's of the best dude. backs in America. You reference Jake Bobo, but other guys, whether it's Azizi Hearn in the secondary, Darius Muisau at inside linebacker, but done a nice job there. And then the three star guys that they brought in recruiting, they would get dinged all the time. Oh, they don't have the five star, don't have the five star, but they yeah. got like a five star fit. And I just think that now with this defense and what coach reference about Dorian, like then you add in Chip Kelly's play calling acumen, like they're a legit threat, not like, oh, it's a good story like Minnesota a couple years ago. Right. With me, well, here's a, well, here's what here's the thing for me. I think Chip Kelly is. I I do think he's brilliant. I do. I also think that what they're 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 kind of combining the there's there's like a, a trio of things that they're working on. Right there's the the they're using the portal to get guys. Obviously, Bobo's the headliner, but they've got other guys. And then the recruiting. We know that. Listen, this has been a thing when he was at Oregon. It's why he went to the NFL. He's got, he doesn't he doesn't love nobody loves and coach. You can t- correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody loves like showing around a 17 year old all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not fun for an adult human man to like cater to a 17 year old, I- except for unless you're Nick Saban. Basically, like that's what he, he, he Nick Saban is like. He lives for it, and he makes sure his staff lives for it. But he, Chip, I understand he doesn't love that. So he finds guys that are good fits, and then that's the part I was going to get to, is the third part. The, the third part of that is they're working the portal well. They are recruiting at a level that makes him comfortable, and then but they're getting guys that want to be there, that want to play, that want to work, and they're doing this thing that we've seen places like what is it Wisconsin or. Penn State or, or or Iowa or Pitt or we've seen them do those things where they get these guys and then those guys get kind of indoctrinated into the system and everybody's on the same page and that's the part that I really like about what Chip Kelly's been able to grow coach someone tell like correct course correct me here because that's what I'm saying. <laughs> nobody's gonna correct you Mike I mean I think there's three things right number one He's had time. Yes. Right? There was a time three and a half, four years ago, everybody's like, what, what is he doing here? Yes. Like, we're, we're struggling. We can't, we can't do this, can't do that. And to Yogi's point, I think administratively, uh, what they've done there, you know, the, the new facility, they, they, it's a different place than it was when Chip got there. And let's be yeah. honest. I mean, it, it's just a completely different place. He's had his effect, but they've been patient with him. Yeah. Number one, and to your point and to Yogi's point, yeah, we won't we want to talk about the the guys that came in in the portal. Chip let a bunch of guys go too. They were in the yeah. portal playing at all kinds of other places. I mean, the, there's a bunch yeah. of guys that were at UCLA that left and are playing at other places that he said that's fine, right? You if 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 that's what you want, so he's built this team the way he wants to, not wholesale. Not wholesale like USC, but he has made calculated moves and stuck with a quarterback that he believed in from the day he got there. And yeah. now that's paying off. Amen. All right. Two quick things on the Bruins. Then I want to break down the game, see where you guys net out. One is that when it comes to transfers, I think the graduate school program they have is as cool as any I've heard. It's called transformational coaching and leadership. We're like, you want to come and learn how to be a coach? Like, 
they have the who's yeah. who of coaches come into that class. I think it's a really cool thing. I think it's 16 players getting a master's degree in that. So I think as we talk about the professionalization of college football, it's important to note that there is still the student side of college football and Chip's guys are doing a good job. He often says books and ball. It's kind of the big theme over there. And then the DTR, right? Like as, as a Heisman voter, right? Here's my moment here. Um, the, the, the award is defined as the player who exhibits excellence with integrity, right? So Dorian's got his degree. He's been stand up since he's gotten there. But my number one number that I love around DTR is 304. And that's the amount of pass attempts he had in high school. Played as a senior. Yeah. Most quarterbacks have over a thousand when they enter whatever college they choose to go to. Since his sophomore year ended, because he was up and down as a freshman, first started Oklahoma, we know that. Uh, second year, they were up and down. First half of the Colorado game of the 2020 season was funky. Since then, he's thrown 68 touchdowns, 12 picks. And this year is completing 75% of his passes, and he's not playing catch. He's playing quarterback. He's yeah, quarterback. And I, I just think it's it's noteworthy because – I think, and, and I, I, I talked to uh, some of the guys that are going to be up there for game day this weekend. I said, please don't say that Dorian's an up-and-down quarterback. That was year one and year two and the first half of year three. But the last two and a half plus years, he's been as steady and just tracking upwards as anybody in the country at that position. I think it's critical that we just state it because I think he's an easy guy to just reputation up-and-down dude. I, th I think that... I, I, I'm gonna put I'm putting him in the same camp as Max Duggan with Spencer Sanders, guys that we've talked about for a long time and have waited for them to get to where we wanted them to be. And Yogi, you and I, we were there. We were together in Redondo. We were together in Redondo watching this kid play, watching DTR as he followed up Tate Martell, right? Yeah. We we were we were in Redondo watching that we were watching we we're you know the stopwatch and watching the pro day and doing the whole deal we did that and he had all the tools he showed us all the tools we needed him to get all those tools put together and now he's playing for a coach not 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 playing for a coach he's playing with a coach who understands who, who they have an understanding. They know where they want to be. You throw in Zach Charbonnet. You throw in the idea. You throw in Bobo. You throw in this. They These guys are on the same page. And when I watch DTR, when I watch him go full field read, boom, slant's not there. Skinny's not there. The backside dig's not there. I don't have my hitch. I'm going to the sideline over here. With my running back on the flare after he's after he already blocked and then flared out, when he's able to go through four, five, boom, this is a guy that's playing football. Like that's football. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Love the juice. Love the juice, man. Yeah, it's like I said. It, right now, the guy's playing at a high level, and we all been we've all been waiting on it. Yes, all been and and in in my mind you know as a, as a quarterback and, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it right but you're gonna have games where and yogi you could probably expand on it you're gonna have games where hey hey bro we know it's gonna be me and him today one of us is gonna win this game yeah right? it's gonna come down to that and i think you know the washington game kind of set him apart yes. because we all knew what washington had 
right? Penix. He's an exceptional player. He's been hurt every year. He's got this unbelievable arm talent, you know, but to win that game the way in the fashion that, that UCLA won it and to keep going and, and everybody saying, well, we'll see next week. Well, we'll see next week. Guess what? We're week, we're getting to be week six, seven. Now, yeah. And he's still playing like that. And, and I'm with it. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing as well as any quarterback there is in the country right now. Okay. So let's flip it because their defense is the most improved part of that team. Yeah. And they got to play another guy. In Bo Nix, who I've had a couple of Bo's games, had their most recent one against Arizona. Mm -hmm. And Bo's told me this many times, and I think it's reflective in his play, that he's playing with the most confidence he's ever had in his life. And he's playing really free. And I credit Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham for coaching him and talk to him that way. Like, Coach, you you coach in the South. Like, yeah. Bo would say, like, sometimes you, you, you feel like you wear everything. And right. I think that your head coach has the ability to alleviate some of that. I think Lanning and Dillingham have done phenomenal job there, and he's playing his best football. We've got like legit Heisman candidate duel to, to your exact point. Well, the, the the other part is, you know, when you come through like that, like Bo, and, and since he was in junior high school, yeah, so much pressure on him. And let's be honest, he went as far away from home as he could go without leaving the country. They <laughs> get away from that, right? <laughs> So he's in a good spot for himself. And he, I mean, he's got a smile on his face. He's playing yeah. free. And, you know, there's been no question about his talent. I mean, he's, he's really talented. So, you know, I, it's, it's I'm good for him. And in the transfer portal, it's like we talked about last week, like, you know, all these yeah. guys that have shown up at all these other places that may have not had success at the last place. Um, and the coaches have done a great job, just like with Bo, but they show up in a new place with new life and a, and a new new breath, and they're playing lights out. I mean, yeah. just lights out. And they're, they're difference makers all over the country right now. We can name six, seven of those guys right now who, yep. well, what happened to so-and-so? And then they look up and like, that's where he is? And, and yeah, and he's going up and down the field. Right, with a just yeah. completely different look, smiling on the sideline, slapping people on the back, right? Yeah. folks, and like you know, he, he's he's been waiting for this to, all his life just to play free, and I think Bo fits right into that category right now. I think playing free is the key. Um, being so close to home, everybody's watched you the whole time, and getting away, as you mentioned, as far away as he could be. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what, what's, what? He could have gone to Corvallis, I'm sure, but like, he's pretty much as far away as as, as far away as he could be. Why had a call him, he might have gone there. I put but, it that way. Exactly, yeah. But it's one of those things where he just he does he looks more comfortable, right? Yeah. He looks comfortable, and Yogi, you've called you called a couple of his games already. Like, he settled in, and the first game, yes, the first game was a disaster. That first game was a disaster for that entire football team. And then they started to figure out everything and they're figuring it out and they're becoming a little tougher because they're getting some of that Dan landing kind of injected into them. Yep. So they're getting tougher and they're figuring it out and they're, they're fighting and they, they work hard. And that's the, I don't know. I just, I was doing a show earlier today and 
I think that the hardest thing in football, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, we've all been in this game for a long time. We've all been in this sport, played this sport, worked in this sport for a long time. <clears throat> but I think the fighting part is the hardest part. And you have to decide that you want to fight. And that's what I what I say, what I mean by that is on defense, you have to decide that you want to make every tackle. You have to decide that you want to do the dirty work, right? Like you want to get muddy. You want to live in that dirt. You want to, you want to, if you got a wrong arm, you're going to wrong arm. And that's something that, and listen, I don't mean that, I'm not trying to alienate listeners, but basically a wrong arm is when you spill wide so that somebody else can make a tackle. And it's ugly work, but you got to decide you want to do that ugly work. That's what Oklahoma for me, that's what stood out for me about Oklahoma in that game against Kansas is I know they wore their unity jerseys and the whole deal, but they did look like a team that decided we're going to do the ugly work today. And Oregon, to go to take it back to the original point, Oregon wants to do the ugly work. It looks like they want to do the ugly work after that first game. And it looks like for Bo Nix, having people around him that want to do that ugly work with him makes him feel more comfortable, makes him feel more confident. And he doesn't feel like he has to be a hero. He feels like he can be a quarterback. And Yogi, to your your point early, the question about the tough games last week, right? Those tough losses. It's obvious that Oregon's coaching staff took that and the players took it and moved on. Yeah. And like, you know what? We just played a, a really good football team a really a top tier program yep. and we, we need to get for lack of a better term, we got to get our shit together right now. Yes. Because we, we, and, and they have done a hell of a job there because those guys have responded and the players are playing at a, playing well and the coaches have taken that. So, you know, after things like that, you know, you can go one way or the other and be like, Oh, what was me? Because everybody, I mean, except for you, Yogi, but everybody was like, Oregon is done, right? They, they stink. <laughs> hey, you see the helmet? You see the helmet? Good. I snuck it That's in, good. right? That's good. But I'll tell you what. All right, so let me get – this is my job, right? I, I I know my role here and and around the country, around the Pac-12. Right. In the first game of the season, 29 missed tackles. Yep. 376 yards after contact allowed. Now, I know that's Jordan my point, did, but they're not that good. And I don't think they're 49 to three better than Oregon. They played right. as bad as they could. They had four mm -hmm. possessions in the first half. Right. Move, the ball, move the ball on all of them to ended in picks. So to your point, like it was the worst recipe of all time. And if you just tuned in, you're like, they're terrible. The pack is over. <laughs> Oregon's Get them out of here. <laughs> but I was there the next week and gaining context around Dan Lanning's yeah. team of first time on the road. First yep. game of the year. First time doing warm-ups together in front of a crazy crowd. First yeah, time having to deal crowd. with real a adversity. home crowd. I mean, a crazy crowd. A bonkers out of this world crowd. Coming off the natty, the whole thing. Like, right. And every AD wants to do two things. Never schedule Air Force. And the new advice, never schedule the defending champ in a home game across the country. <laughs> right? Like The problem is you don't know if they're going to be the defending champ totally. five years from now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impossible to, to predict. But... I can't imagine a Pac-12 team ever going further than Vegas for a non-conference game for the rest of the Pac-12's life or Pac-10 or wherever we end up becoming. But to that point, I look at Oregon, and I'd be curious if you can tell me, because you guys watch the rest of the country with more detail than I do. 
I haven't seen a better offensive line in this league since Stanford back in the day when they were yeah. real people. I don't know who you think is the best O-line in the country, but I think that Oregon has three dudes that dipped their toe in the NFL last year, two tackles in the center, and all came back. And they're absolute road graders. Like, And a quarterback can run with his legs. Like, I just love this part of their team. wonder if you see it that, that, that same way as you look around the country. I think their offensive line is very good. I will say this. I think that ten, and here's the thing. Because Oregon, I, Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, they've given up one sack this year. Is that right? Yeah, and they would argue it because it was like six inches from the line of scrimmage. You tried to get back <laughs> to it. Yeah. I think Ohio State, Ole Miss, and I'm going to – listen, I'm going to throw Tennessee in there. But Tennessee is also living in this different world with that speed and space where they're taking your chance to get sacks away from you. It's not the offensive line play. But I think I think I do think that Ole Miss I think Ole Miss is definitely I don't think they have maybe the caliber of offense of of NFL guys. But I do think that Ole Miss is in that is that in that same world. I mean I'll go back to what I said, right? I I agree with the Yogi those those three guys and I would say even they've got four guys right now. Yeah. That, that are NFL players, offensive yes. lines, right? Um, but I go back to my original statement. The way that first game went, right, public perception was they got their ass kicked. Right? Yes. <laughs> right up front. Whether that happened or not, that was the public perception, uh, perception with Georgia. And it looks to me the way they play right now, they have taken that personally and they're putting on tape what they want on tape in in in, in the Pac-12 or against other opponents, and and I mean they're they're like you said, I agree with you. They're about as good up front as anybody in the country. But I think a lot of it comes back to that first week, right? Yeah. What happened? Who's responsible? And 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 why did this happen? But certainly they put that behind them. But I do think they've taken a lot of pride in. Hey, look, we we are not the guys that played first week. We are this football team, quarterback, O-line, the defense. They are they're playing with an edge, and they're playing really physical football, which is going to give them a, a hell of a, a – a, I mean, they're, they're, they got – that – they have as good a chance to win the league as, as, as anybody right now. And then – and creep in, just keep creeping up a little bit. Because keep creeping, <laughs> you never know, right? You never know. Well, I would, I wanted, to, I wanted to slide this one in there because as long as we're on the Pac-12, can we slide Utah in here? Oh, just go in there, Coach. You got it. Go for it. I, you, can we slide Utah in here because what they did this past weekend? Come on, give no. it to me, Coach. You, you, hey, you heard me from week one. I mean, it, it, the, the, this guy's a football coach, right? So yeah. you, he ranks right there with. He's a he's gonna have a team that you have to beat them. They are not going to beat themselves. They're gonna play really good defense. They're gonna be where they're supposed to be. They're gonna be physical. They're gonna be tough, and they're gonna have a little bit more speed on the field than you think they do because it's Utah. They got some dudes out there that can go now and and and, and game changers. So you know they've been in real football games. Yeah, Utah. Is uh, I, and we've been in a lot of different stadiums all over the place. I, I laugh 
I was like, what is going on here? They got a DJ in the, in the end zone. <laughs> it's, spinning right. it's Utah, right? It's a blackout. And it's, you know, everybody's, it's loud as hell there. Music rolling. I'm like, this is really Utah, right? And yeah. then, so it's it's a hard place to play. Uh, altitude, weather later on this year. And they take pride in it. They've got good players. They're well coached. And, you know, that you you're, like you said, this thing's going to come down all the way to the end because, you know, there, there's there, those are three really quality football teams that we're talking about right now, right? With, oh, with Oregon, with USC, with the talent level they have, with Utah, and then, you know, you're going to have some dark horses in there because you're going to have to travel and play. Yeah. And, and, you know, Oregon State's a better football team than people are giving credit for. I love them. Yeah. They, they, I mean, he has. They're explosive. Hell of a job, and and you know, and and we all know nobody really wants to go and play there. Walk across the parking lot, like what is this, right? (laughs) Football game, like a high school team, and but it's loud as hell in there. And they've got real talent. Oregon State is going to get somebody. One of those, one of those two or three teams, they're going to get one of them. They should have got USC. I know. So I called SC, Oregon State, and then Utah, Oregon State. Yeah. There ain't an AD in the SEC that would ever have two challenging games like that back-to-back. Like, that was as hard <laughs> of a stretch for anybody, I think, that's top 30 team in America. I think Oregon State's in that regard. Real quick before we move on to another league, just for context, you look at those four teams that I think are kind of tier one in the pack, Oregon, UCLA playing this weekend, SC and yeah. Utah played last weekend. Then I think it's Oregon State, UW. You can debate wherever you want to go there. Uh, with that said, the Ducks, UCLA at home. They don't play SC. Mm-hmm. Utah, excuse me, Washington at home in that offense. Utah at home. And then they go to Oregon State in the rivalry. So they get most of them in the confines of Autzen, but they have the toughest stretch of the four. Yes. We go to UCLA, and we know where they are this weekend. A, they go to ASU, and that's it. They don't leave California. They go to Cal in the finale, but that's yeah. it. SC, we, I think, is – Can we get props S- to Stanford, by the way? Oh, we're going to go there. I'm calling there. I'm heading there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. You see the helmet. Come on, baby. We're going there. <laughs> uh, SC, they go uh, to Arizona next week on homecoming, Halloween weekend. I'll be there for calling that one. They don't leave California the rest of the way. And remember, they play Notre Dame in the finale, so – yeah. They'll know their title, like they'll already be going to Vegas or not, based on the UCLA game that they have to go play across town. But there's, I think they've got the easiest road, and you look at games to get to Las Vegas, and then Utah, Utah's sneaky hard. They got to go to Pullman on a Thursday night. That's rough, as Leach famously said. It's like um, Woodstock, except people have their clothes on after they beat the Trojans a couple of years ago up there on a Thursday night. That'll be a challenge. And then they go to Oregon. And then, uh, you know, so those are kind of their two ones. So I, I, I think to coach someone, your point, like this league is going to go down in the end. What I hope and I think what I, we all should hope is that there's a couple either undefeated or one loss teams. And we'll see that after Saturday. A big decision will be made around is UCLA a one loss team? Is Oregon out of it or is Oregon throwing themselves really back in the middle of this thing. We'll kind of roll from there. So uh, with that said, appreciate the Pac-12 love. First half hour of the show. We're breaking records. I imagine that's never been done before in the history of Field 12. That's why I'm here, guys. Um, let's go to the Big Ten, okay? Um, 
I think it's interesting. Like Illinois, we're going to hear from Tommy DeVito here in a minute. Uh, he talked to our George Woodfield uh, earlier. We saw what Michigan did. We know what Ohio State has done. Like, Coach Sumlin, where do you net out with this league right now and finish up with a thought on Illinois, if you don't mind? No, I, you know, I said, and, and with, with Mike a week or two ago, I said, you know, by the eye test, just the eye test, you know, I ranked, I ranked Ohio State number one two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I ranked Tennessee number two. Remember that, Mike? <laughs> yes. Ooh, called it. Called. He did. Hey, he did. He did. By, by the eye test, okay? Just guys are playing and the, how, how the teams are playing and the quarterbacks are playing. Yep. Um, Ohio State is still a complete football team. And, yes. and I don't know where – I don't know where they keep growing these receivers from because they just keep coming in there. Long, athletic, can fly. You know, get it around them, and they're going to catch it, right? And if you, they make one guy miss, they're they're wired to wire guys. You know, they're they're a complete football team. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how Michigan continues to get better. I I didn't believe in uh, the first week. You know, I'm you know Michigan, Michigan, right? And so. You know, crazy Jim Harbaugh, you know, but he's he seems to be a little bit more sane on the sideline right now. <laughs> he's he's he, he's not running up and down like yelling and, and screaming and they're playing at a high level beyond that. You know, who who is it? Illinois. Right. I, I know I got on the high horse last week, Mike, with, with Brett Bielema, but, yeah. you know, you watch him play. If they get on the field talent wise, they're nowhere near those other two teams. Right. Right. The team that's gotten better every week is Purdue. I mean, they, they, the, what they did to Minnesota was a shocker to most people, right? Mm -hmm. 24 to nothing in the third quarter. Then, you know, they should have beaten Penn State the first week, the very yep. first. Right. Nobody mm -hmm. gave them a real chance against Maryland. They win there. Right. All they do is just keep winning and getting better. So, you know, that yeah. team in that league, I mean, they 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 just keep getting better, and in the West, I mean, who who are you going to get? I mean, what what who's he going to be? Right? Iowa can't score more than uh, eight points in a game, right? Yeah, that's if they get a safety and and two field goals. <laughs> so it's 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 a rough deal, right? So uh, I. I to me, in 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 the in the whole league, you know, Ohio State's clearly one of the most talented teams in the country, and uh, and then they're going to make a run for it all. I think, and, and when it's all said and done, here here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be quick because I know we got to get to to Devito. I just Illinois has only given up nine points a game, nine a game, eight point nine. If we're going to be fair, this team shows up every week. Chase Brown is a monster. DeVito has figured it out. Um, and it's it's really – and you guys correct me wrong. It feels weird to watch him in orange and blue, but not Syracuse. Yeah. So, I just – it's – it's this team is figuring things out, and they, they, they know who they are. And I've said this a million times, but identity matters in college football. And – they know who they are, and that's the part of like this. We we talked a lot about Utah kicking themselves for losing to Florida. Illinois losing to Indiana. Ooh, 
This is a team that could be undefeated right now. But here's here's the other thing we talked about early, right? DeVito, if I'm, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think I first saw him play in 2018, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's, another, he's like DTR. This guy's been playing football forever, right? Yeah. A new place. And, and, and I mean, he's like, who's this guy? You know, the, the Bosco kid. That's where he is. He's playing there. It was 2018. My so, guys did his commitment video. <laughs> right. So over time, he has gotten better. He's found a home. I told you last week, I mean, just like just like Utah, you know, Brett Bilema is another guy. They're not going to screw it up. They're going to be where they're supposed to be. They're not going to have a bunch of penalties. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to wait for you. If you make a mistake, you'll look up and they'll be like, damn, it's 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 10 to three. And we can't we got poor field position because they're punter. The ball's getting knocked down inside the 10 yard line. We get three first downs. We aren't even at midfield. Right. So it's just it's a long grind out deal. And Illinois is well coached and in a position to be solid in 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 a league and on the side of the league where I I think from a talent standpoint, they've got every chance uh, to win that side as, as, as anybody. It's going to be interesting. Their only ranked team as of today that they'll play will be Michigan. And then maybe they'll get to the title game. Next week, we'll we'll dive into uh, the CFP. We'll talk about the room, maybe, how we make positions and arguments for different different teams. But in the meantime, let's hear from Tommy DeVito. I think he was, what, Felder, like quarterback rank, like player rank 367 or something like that coming out of high school. And now he's easily one of the top 60 probably in America yeah, and man. one of the top starters in the Big Ten. So. That's what happens when you're 30 years old. No, he's probably 24. I'm just being. <laughs> Amen. All right, here's George Whitfield and Tommy DeVito. But could not be more thrilled. Um, can you just tell us right now what is life like inside the Illinois football building? You know, it's like it was week one. Obviously, a little more excitement, but I think as a team, just staying level-headed. Obviously, we've had success going forward. Um, obviously, still a lot to improve on. You know, a lot of games left. Still five games left in the regular season. So looking forward to those and really just working on going one and out. Obviously, everyone's excited. Everyone knows. Everyone knew throughout the summer what this team had the ability to do, and it was really just about going out and doing it. And I think that we've done a good job of that so far, and I think that we're going to build off of that. Uh, a lot of that construction, when you talk about building, especially for a quarterback, comes from your play caller and your offensive coordinator. you got an incredible one in Barry Looney. What's it, what's it been like, um, like putting these game plans together, working through the week to execute them, and then pulling them off Saturday after Saturday. Right. Coach Sonny does an awesome job. I mean, he really makes it easy for us. You know, on Tuesday, that's kind of like our feel-it-out day, you know, because Monday, Monday is a day off. Tuesday, they put a lot on the table to see, like, what we can handle and what we feel good about. And as the week goes on, he's very good about cutting things back to make sure that we can go out and play full speed 100% without thinking too much. So whatever someone may not be feeling about, it's scrapped. He's very simple with that, um, wow. and I appreciate him for that. And obviously him being a prior quarterback, he he knows what it's like to be back there, you know, and see how see how the game unveils from that point of view. So I appreciate it a lot. Wait, just quickly, would you just share how rare that is? You get so many personalities as a quarterback when you go up against coordinators. Some are, I got it, guys. You just wait until I tell you what's coming. Others are a little bit more collaborative. But can you just share how rare that is? Uh, and it also goes because you're a veteran quarterback and you've, you've seen a lot of, you know, battles. 
But how rare is that to get somebody who welcomes your input since you're the one that's got to go out and execute it? Right. I mean, he, he, it's, it's rare. You know, I've had this time, I think this is my fifth offense coordinator now. Oh my so God. I've been around some in college. So yeah, so I've been around some, but just with him, you know, he's very like, it's all about us. You know, he, he made that point a couple weeks ago and makes it again, like for the coaches, they've, they've done their time. They've played all the games that they're going to play. Now it's all about us. So it's about us as players. So for them, they try to put us in the best situation possible and to put us in the best situation possible. It's about what we feel most comfortable with. Now there are going to be some things we're not as comfortable with, but as coaches, that's their job to get us comfortable with that. And they do an awesome job to getting us there for Saturday. What's it like being around the alpha Brett Bielema, uh, big time head coach. He's won everywhere he's been. And again, full disclosure, I was a GA at Iowa when he was a linebacker coach at Iowa. So I've known him half my life, but what's it been like playing for him, his quarterback leading his charge? Right. It's awesome. I mean, I'm just thankful for spring ball, you know, because that was the biggest time for me and him growing. Obviously, I came from a different style of offense. It's more of like, you know, taking shots and this kind of deal and really just trying to push the ball and feeling being more aggressive versus, you know, he was more strategic and smart about it. So really for, for myself and him throughout spring ball was a lot of learning. That's like trying to learn his style of play and how he likes to coach and that. But um, yeah, I'm really thankful for that and just being a part of it. I mean, he has so much knowledge. And he gives us as players so much knowledge, whether it's about football, life, everything. And he just pours that all into us. And we just, you know, we try to absorb as much of it as we can. And, you know, it's just never ending. And that's something that I haven't been around and something that I'm very appreciative to be around. What would you say is the, the, the single biggest thing he's pushed out of you, be it improvement or wanting you to amplify or whatever it is coming through that spring phase? Right. Just letting the game come to me, you know, just. You know, don't don't overcomplicate. You know, it's a game of football, but really just be efficient on early downs. That's the biggest thing. Be efficient mm-hmm. on early downs so you can make all the other downs easier as they come and not getting stuck in a, you know, second and 10, second and 12. And really about knowing what, you know, situational not to take sacks in certain situations. Throw the ball away, get the ball out of your hands so you can get cut back where you get knocked out of field goal range. You know, just small things like that, details like that, and just letting the game come to me and not trying to force anything where it doesn't need to be forced. Oh, I love it. Hey, nobody on this thread ever hits the snooze button. Wake up and get after the day, baby. Right, coach? That's right. Wake up and get after it. All right. So with that said, uh, definitely, look, no snoozing right now if you're Michigan State or if you're Wisconsin. Um, Really excited in the preseason about these teams. A lot of hype around these programs. One let go of a coach who 70-some percent winning percentage. Right now, Jim Letters getting his audition for that job. We know what Mel Tucker has done there and then how much noise he made in the portal. Expected it to be different after the Washington game. Didn't think it would keep going down that road uh, for both of you. Like, what's your take on these two teams? Like, the Big Ten used to be a powerhouse. Hey, I could say because the Pac-12 took our hits. Like, doesn't feel like one right now as a collective of a league. I'll I'll hop in. I I think that there is – it's not a power void because Ohio State still has the power. But when we look at Wisconsin, we look at Michigan State, I think that these are teams – rudderless isn't even the word. The thing that I look at with Michigan State is a team that still can't do the stuff that they want to do. And they 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 caught lightning in a bottle through the portal. As you mentioned, Coach Sumlin, sometimes the portal can be very giving. But what it giveth, sometimes it taketh away. <laughs> and 
on the Wisconsin side, they've got this amazing talent in Braylon Allen. Remarkable player. And they just he it's it's almost like he came, he got there. What do we call it? Three years, two years too late. Because remember when they had Schubert, or even uh, four, three or four years ago when they had T.J. Watt, and they had when the defense was unstoppable. He got there a little bit too late. The defense is going through a transition, and they're not a team that's going to play an offense that's going to push and move and compensate for that defense. So they're in a rough spot. That's the way that I see it. I think that I think Wisconsin is in a time crunch where your best offensive player got there a little bit too late for your defense to be an asset for him. And then with Michigan State, I think we're looking at a football team that just they still don't know who they are. They haven't but let's be real. They haven't been the same with the exception of stopping the run. They haven't been the same since Harlan Barnett and Narduzzi left. It's uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, to watch Michigan State play, you're like, who who are they right now? Yeah. Right? That that's basically like you 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 identified with Illinois. You know what you're getting, right? Yeah, we know the culture at Wisconsin, um, but I'm not sure who Michigan State is right now. I mean, yeah. offensively or defensively, and and because of that, you know, week to week, they're they're struggling. I mean, really struggling. You know, the pressure that that gets on, you know, when you, when you fire a coach um, in week three or four, like what happened yeah. in Wisconsin and a guy who had won a bunch of football games, yes, <laughs> a ton. some football games, not kind of, he won a bunch. Right. Um, and, you know, even, even for, uh, for the players and for the rest of the guys on that staff, I mean, that's, that's an eye-opening experience, right? You yeah. Know? You know, now what? And so, you know, it, it, that's that's a difficult situation Wisconsin's got. And, and neither one of those teams right now, I I mean, it's hard to, to say who's going to win this game because neither one of those teams right now, in my opinion, have an identity of, of who they are or what they want to be. Sure. Well, here's the thing is Wisconsin lost to Michigan State, which is crazy. Like, did you have that coming in, Yogi? Like last week going into that game, did you have Wisconsin losing to Michigan State? It was kind of a toss-up for me. Like I, I didn't know. Like the thing I'm I'm most curious about this week is the Michigan game. We all know what happened last year. Yeah. Like I we started the show off talking about like how do you handle dramatic wins, dramatic losses because of the huge games from last weekend. What if Michigan State could put it together? Like, like this is a moment, I think. They've for got them. a bye week. So they yeah. so they have a bye to figure something out. Yeah. Here's here's my question, right? Those two you're talking about, what's the difference between the in Minnesota? Three weeks ago, we we're talking about Minnesota, right? Three and oh. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I mean, and we you they get their their chance on national TV, and I'm like, whoa. Are they any different than Michigan State or Wisconsin? Are they? They, they beat Michigan State 37. I know. That's I know. crazy. But right now, today, who are they? No clue. That's, no that's no what clue. I mean. <laughs> and, they right, got so Penn, and then Minnesota has Penn State this weekend. Exactly. exactly. What does that look like? Yep. I, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I talked to Loxley three weeks ago at Maryland, and they were – 
they were humming along and they're getting ready to play Purdue. He goes, you know, this is one of these games that Purdue wins somehow. And they they go beat Maryland there, right? He's like, he's, these guys. So the Big Ten, who are, I mean, besides Ohio State. Right? Who is anyone? Who is, and we still don't know about Michigan, right? We, we think we know, yeah. but is it really, right? They've played some close football games, but, you know, as I've said, you know, there could be the crazy Jim Harbaugh pop out any week now, and well, then you, you never know what's going to happen there. <laughs> it's a good point. And, and just to just to throw it out there, like I love the eye test side of things. because We're, we're going to hear that a ton in the coming weeks yeah. as, this, as the playoff gets yeah. unveiled. To be fair, Ohio State, like it's just the eye test because they haven't played anybody that you're like, exactly. I believe in them. So, again, I, I think in college football, like we live in, in this world sometimes where teams just get a pass. Right, right, like yes. Bama gets a pass, Georgia gets a pass, like you're just throwing out the passes, like Clemson. Clemson <laughs> gets a pass, yeah. OU's gotten a pass, like people get passes. Yeah. I don't know. Ohio State's the closest thing to getting a pass, but I don't still, I don't give it to them yet. I don't know right. if you guys are like, I don't, I don't think this is a year where it's like LSU with Burrow or Bama in tw- pandemic year. Like it was so much better than I thought. Everybody, Georgia defensively. So let's play a game. Okay, let's do it. Oh, we're going to do two things to finish off in the last six minutes. I want you to give me the one loss team you believe in the most. And then I want you to give some love to another team. So we're going to go round robin. The one loss team you believe in the most. I'll rattle off a few teams. Coach Summer will start with you. Okay. Of course, we have Bama, Oregon, OK State, SC, Wake Forest, Penn State, K-State, Illinois, Cincy, North Carolina, Tulane in your top 25. Right. What do you believe in the most? To do what? To go to uh, – To roll the rest of the way. The, we know well, there's no mark. Well, just to uh, win out. Well, Let's obviously see. Alabama, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be fine. This will be motivation for them. Uh, the okay. team I was impressed by, I've seen a bunch of one-loss teams. It's Tulane, to be honest with you. because I, I like Tulane. Houston, this should have been one of their better years. They got the sixth year, another 24-year-old quarterback, right? And, and they've got – a bunch of players back, but you know Tulane is a really, really good football team, and, and and so you know completely different levels right there. But you know it's hard to, to say you know Alabama's not going to be there at the end of the year as a one loss team. But to your point, a one loss Alabama has helped the Pac-12 now because a one loss team that right now will still have a chance for the playoffs. Yeah, amen. Okay, I'm, I'm, I got to get in here. I got to get in here. First off, ECU should have beat Tulane. If they make that field goal at halftime and they're only down two, it's a different football game. So first down, Pirates. I'm listen. I love ECU. My folks, my parents met at ECU. I gotta, I gotta rep. You can find me in Ficklin, baby. <laughs> okay, but no, I am. Um, they didn't they didn't win no they didn't so if we're talking one loss teams that i think are going to be on the periphery hovering around waiting to see for opportunity i'm going wake forest slow mesh so the the claw fence all right and just and it's it's as a defensive guy it's it's nauseating to watch what they do the slow mesh but it works and you yeah, force that linebacker to commit, and then the running back goes over here, and you're like, why? How is this a thing? But I'm going to go with them. They, The loss they had on their schedule is Clemson. 
They already took that loss, and they took it in overtime. Yeah. They should win every game for the rest of the year. So they're going to be whoa. At the what? Do you disagree? Really? No, no. I'm just that's that's big time. They should win every game for you the rest of the gonna year. They're going to be eleven and one. Eleven and one, and, and they're going to be on the outside looking in. Okay, wondering. Yeah. Because guess what? What if Michigan loses? What if Michigan drops a game that's not Ohio State? They they, they lose two games, which wouldn't and surprise anybody here. Wouldn't they surprise anybody. Alab, What about Alabama playing Ole Miss? That's going to be a Miss? problem. That's going to yeah. be a problem at Vault Hemingway. I you don't think so? Watch. No, I'm, you don't think oh, so, Oh, Coach. That's going to be a problem. Okay, I, that'll be a good one. I can't wait to revisit this. <laughs> all right, all right. We're gonna revisit it. Uh, I'm gonna go. But, no, but listen, they they NC State without Devin Leary is a completely different football team. UNC is a team that anyone can score against. The hardest game in their schedule is gonna be Syracuse, and Syracuse can't score the way that Wake Forest can score. I think Wake goes undefeated the rest of the way. They're gonna be eleven and one. Clemson can finish undefeated, and then they'll be Wake's eleven and one, and they're looking at standing around like, "Hey guys, um, what about us?" Wow. And and that coach will be as hot as anybody in America Yeah, at that time. Uh, all right, real quick, I'm going to go uh, SC. I'll tell you what, I, I watched their press conference after the game against Utah, and I think Lincoln Riley's quote was like, damn, man, I want to go practice right now. And the camera pans to Caleb, and he went from, like, really sad, somber, yeah. gutted to, like, let's ride. Like, And, and yep. I can't wait. And we referenced their schedule earlier. That's the one lost team that, I, that I'm really looking forward to. All right, before we I leave like in the it. last minute and a half, who do you want to give some love to in advance of this weekend? I'm going to go first. I'm going to go yeah. Stanford. Give some love to them. I'm heading to the farm tomorrow. The slow mesh, the Stanford Cardinal, <laughs> Arizona State interim head coach, Sean Aguana, Emery Jones, Felder's guy starting. He's back healthy at quarterback. I'm giving love to that game at 1 o'clock. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go really quick here. I'm going to go with Kansas State. Everybody, nobody knew what Adrian Martinez was, and kids stepping up. I dig it. I'm real. I'm. I'm that's that's who I want to give some love to. Is that okay? He, he's still love. running against Oklahoma. They still haven't tackled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coach. All right, who you want to give some love to heading into the weekend? You know, because now what I said, Lane's going to be all over my ass. I'm going to go with Ole Miss this <laughs> week. <laughs> Because he will use that. You know what he does. He'll cut that out. It'll be on Twitter, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. But he, they're doing a hell of a job. And and they're running the ball like crazy yes. in this league. And and I think I'm with you guys. They're a better football team than, than people give them credit for. The only problem is their strength is also Alabama's strength. And that's why I said what I said earlier. I mean, their strength on, on offense is Alabama's strength on defense. That'll be different down the road. But this week against LSU, it could be ugly again for for those for those Tigers. Yeah. Well, we got a fun weekend of football. Coach Leach, many, uh, much love to them and their program. I know they lost a teammate today and a member of their family. So a lot of love yeah. to Mississippi State and Coach oh, Leach. Sorry about that. That's right. Yeah. That's and really they, tough. Yeah. They, they've got a, a challenging game. And Mike Leach, um, hate to say it, but he's, he's been through that before, the passing of a player. Yeah. So uh, – we wish them obviously the absolute best for got sure. UNLV, Notre Dame. It's gonna be an intriguing game. Like Notre Dame's got to get it going again after that loss to Stanford over the weekend. UT Martin, come on now against Tennessee. 
of the SEC <laughs> conference games. Here we go. We're going to end on that. Uh, keep it locked right here. If you want to check it out, go to the YouTube page, Sirius XM, and get your swag like Felder does. And Felder, I don't know how you find the time to watch all these games, but I feel like you know every critical moment in every game that happens each weekend, man. All right. This is the Field of 12 after dark. Lots of love. Stay safe. Peace.